0: Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Warren. So, this week on the podcast, we have Eva O'Connor. Eva is a writer and an actor. Uh, She is from Ireland and uh, she's currently living in uh, London, but she was back doing uh, a brilliant play in the Project Arts Centre called Maz and Bricks. Uh, I want to say this right up top because I saw it during the week. I'd really, really, really recommend anyone who is about the town to go and see it it's on uh, monday to saturday with a matinee on saturday um until the 13th of may and uh, as i said i saw it it's really great eva is in it also it's with the fishamble company and also stephen jones who's going to be a guest in the podcast in the next few weeks is also in it you might know stephen from uh, red rock love hate uh, his play from eden and uh, they're just two really talented people really nice people you're going to get to know them over the next few weeks and um, in the podcast and if you're around check it out in town i think uh, even if you're not a theatre person, this is a really good way to get into it because it's super accessible. And uh, Eva is going to be um, uh, on the BBC very soon as well, so it's going to be more tricky to see her on stage, I would imagine, uh, over the next few uh, months. So uh, get in to see her this week. It's a great play, and I totally recommend it. Uh, I'll chat to you a little bit more at the end of the podcast, but until then, enjoy Eva O'Connor playing Personality Bingo with Tom Moore. Tom Moore. Eva, you ready to play Personality Bingo with Tom Moore? Yeah, I'm so excited. All right, cool. Uh, first of all, thank you for doing it. You're very welcome. Um, so I'll uh, give you a quick explainer of how it works. So there's 60 balls in here. Okay. And I'm going to put 60 minutes on the clock. Yeah. I have 60 questions in front of me. Yeah. Uh, when the ball comes out, I'll ask you the corresponding number of the question. Okay. If it corresponds at one of the six numbers... On your sheet, uh, you can tick it off. And if you tick off all six of the numbers, yeah. you get to ask me any question that you want. Oh, yeah, You made a funny face there. <laughs> and uh, I promise uh, I'll answer it completely honestly so it can be absolutely anything. Whatever you want. Um, So, does that make sense? I think so. Yeah, cool. Um, So, I've given you five numbers. Would you mind reading out the five numbers on your sheet? 15,
1: 19, 49, 20, and 6.
0: Cool. Would you pick a sixth number for me?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm going to
0: pick 11? 11. 11. Nice. Weird thing. When you texted me today, you texted at eleven eleven. Did I? Yeah, you did. Did I? Hmm. Interesting. What does that mean? <laughs> what did that mean? Okay. Uh. All right. Well, here will we just like we just dive into it. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. I'm gonna put the sixty minutes on the clock, which is actually a stopwatch on my iPhone. And uh, cool. Away we go. So, first number is number sixteen. Do you have it?
1: Uh, no
0: Okay What a fail Alright Number 16 uh, So the question is What are your memories of 9-11?
1: Uh, I remember coming home in the car From school uh, Getting off my school bus And getting into my mum's car And her being like America's been exploded Did she actually say that? No that's Something okay. to that effect that And nice. then I remember I don't know, It seems to involve A lot of bus memories I remember being on the school bus The next day being like, to someone in my class, God, it was terrible what happened in New York, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, to my primary school friends. Yeah. What age were you then?
0: Mm, I don't know how
1: old you are. Nine eleven. That was in 2011? That was... No. T- 2001. 2001, sorry. You uh, were 10 years old. I ha- always have that problem with nine I'm like, when did it happen? Yeah. <laughs> 2001. Yeah. I was 11. There oh, you go.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, it was... Um. Yeah, I was the same. I remember coming back from school and I, rem- I remember really vividly my friend's mom <laughs> like rationalizing it. I think it was like, she was like, it's either the like it's either you know the Russians and she's like if it's the Russians we're in trouble Yeah. but if it's like people in the Middle East it's fine because they're crazy that was her like rationale about it that's hilarious yeah and I, I like again I was like similar age and I was like I was
1: kind of like okay but it's funny isn't it like that's the first terror attack that I remember yeah that anyone remembers I of would, our age group yeah. I guess
0: I remember flying to London with my dad to see like my first ever football match a few weeks after and being very excited but also like my mom is just a a real worrier. She's a real man. Okay, right. And the plane, uh, we're on the plane and I was kind of freaked out because a plane had flown into some towers like four weeks earlier and I looked out the window in the window seat and I go, dad, 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 shit. there's There's something outside the window and he looks out and he's like, Tom, that's just the wing <laughs> on the plane but i was fucking freaked out
1: I think that's it, hilarious I think it was the of like the wing 15 oh, yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um so yeah it was it was a uh, it was scary stuff so you live in london now
1: i live in london now do yeah. you but okay. i grew up in clare yeah in ogunlow small ogunlow ogunlow yeah what a, what that sounds so like. funny i remember um Bizarrely I used to dance a lot and I used to dance um every weekend in Longford okay. and I would get a lift um by this Irish dancer he's kind of a famous Irish dancer I I won't name him. You got a name drop? Um, no. <laughs> no. It's no. Michael Flanagan. <laughs> no, it's actually not. <laughs> so anyway, he, he was dropping us home one weekend. He was dropping me home to Ogonolo and he was like, now here you are, Eva, in Ogonorrhea. And I was like, "Mom, the <laughs> man who dropped me home called Ogonlo Ogonorrhea. What's Ogonorrhea? <laughs> she was like, I think it's a sexually transmitted disease. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's an explosion in your genitals. Yeah. <laughs> she just Yeah, she just uses explosion
0: for every, every explanation. Gas. Um but why is that's got, uh, off topic. Yes, but yeah. that's all right, that's that's the nature of it. It's good for me because then it distracts you from your numbers and then you never win and you never get to ask me your question. Okay, cool. That's great. Yeah. No one's won yet, by the way. Oh no really? one's won. But
1: I mean it's luck rather than
0: skill, isn't it? Well, I mean, that's a very pessimistic outlook you're taking. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, one question for you. So, like, uh, living in, in London now, and obviously, like, big difference from London to Clare, especially in terms of terror targets, like, do you ever get yes. a little bit freaked?
1: Like, No, not really. There was a terror attack in London recently, in Westminster, Yeah, whatever, inverted commas, terror attack. Um, And I was quite close to it when it happened, and, like... M- you know, you get so many messages from, like, your mom and your aunts and everyone being like, are you okay? I hope you're miles away. And you're like, actually, no, I'm, like, half a mile away, but I'm grand. It just, I don't know, I'm not really spooked by that kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. I know some people do find, like, I, you know, even around the time that Trump was elected and Brexit happened, there was real weird vibes in London, like, really kind of oppressive vibes, but... I tend to not be particularly bothered by them. I think some people get really kind of almost so down about everything that they feel like they can't even go to work because yeah. the world is so fucked. But I don't really no, I feel the way. Yeah, yeah. Get on with them. That's kind of a good way to be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't feel those kind of external things don't bother me as much. I sound like maybe I'm the most self-centered person in the world, but I would get much more anxious about, like, relationship things or friends or career things but yeah. you know the prospect of the world imploding on myself. well we're all ants anyway so yeah I mean but to be
0: honest I, I was thinking about this lately like that okay yeah yeah, fair enough like that's like self-deprecating yeah that could look like I'm really self-centered but I just feel like that's more honest than most people you know yeah
1: I mean I don't like <laughs> like for example climate change it's really it's it's terrible and we're doomed but I'm not crying in my bed about it whereas some people are yeah I think it's a personality they, type thing yeah maybe but do you think the people who are crying in their bed are, sorry, okay, who are crying
0: on social media, are they are they the same people that are crying in their bed? Does that make sense? Probably not,
1: actually. that, to me, oft- not all the time, but like- Some oft- people's hearts really bleed for the planet. Yeah. And, or like in the same way they do for animals or, but yeah. I feel like I'm much more of a people person. Uh-huh. My heart bleeds for people <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, I guess I just, I don't have that kind of world conscience on my shoulders that like- Yeah, I feel very similar. Okay, good. Yeah. Feel like a harsh bitch saying it out loud but let's you're agreeing so
0: let's be something. harsh bitches <laughs> yeah. alright okay alright here we go number f- 25 did you have it? no nope. okay no problem number 25 question is what's the worst date you've ever been on?
1: oh god uh, okay yeah I don't go on that many dates actually um, I tend to just jump into relationships no um, I so I broke up with my ex-boyfriend of about four years and I was so heartbroken. Yeah. And it was so sad. And <laughs> so I went on Tinder and I, I, I matched with this guy who looked exactly like my ex-boyfriend. Like everyone I showed, I was like, guys, I'm doing it. I'm moving on. And they were like, are you joking? He's a spitting image of your ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Um, so I went on a date with him to a pub around the corner from my house because... Uh, one of my flatmates and my best friend is like the queen of dating. She's like always date near the house like you know near the house. F- for one hour. Like make them come to you, Whoa. go for a drink, be totally chill, don't even be nervous, have three dates in one night. Like she's Really? She, oh, she's such a good person, to talked to about dating. Yeah. Whoa. She'll often go into a date tonight. And she just takes it She she I'll be like, Oh, where are you going? And she'll be like, On a date and then she'll just come back in an hour and I'll be like, How was it? And she'll be like, How was what? <laughs> Wow. So she's like the ice queen. Anyway, um <laughs> I went on a date close by where she recommended that I go and it was just so terrible. He was so awful and he was just like shaking the whole way through and I was like, Why do you look like my ex-boyfriend and you're so rubbish and useless? Anyway, had two drinks. <laughs> did you just describe him as rubbish and useless, just to clarify? Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then um <laughs> we uh I think he I think he bought the drinks and then we left. And then he texts me, being like, "Oh, I started a tab behind the bar, but I forgot my card, and I have no money. Like, I, I don't even have any way of getting home. Like, please, can you find get my card and then bring it back to me?" And I, I didn't see the message till, like, midnight. And by that time, he had gone home. And then he was like, oh, can you meet me the next day? And so I went to the pub, and I got the card, and then I was going somewhere on the tube, so I was like, okay, I'll meet you here. And he was like, oh, here's your card. Like, thanks last night, haha." Ha. And he was just, like, kind of, like, bef- he, without letting me take the card, he was just like, I really like you. Maybe we can see each other again. Like, how about tonight? And I was like, oh, my God, get away from me. And I just, like, ran down the stairs of the escalator. Oh, man. The end.
0: Whoa! Did you did you kiss or anything?
1: No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, I, I think any time <laughs> actually probably by the standards of bad dates, maybe that wasn't one. But like, I think that's what really put me off of dating.
0: Yeah, I I think any time you take advice from your friends about dating, it goes wrong. That's mm-hmm. been my experience anyway. Like I I, I went to. I l-
1: wouldn't blame my friend for that date though.
0: <laughs> no, it was completely your fault. But uh, how I'm was saying, it my fault? Uh, no, no, I no, I don't. But I think any time like even. Even the fact like you went to the place that they recommend. I'm not sorry. You're okay, you're saying
1: it was jinxed by going to the pub that my friend recommended. <laughs> sorry,
0: I'm definitely projecting onto you. But <laughs> okay,
1: right.
0: Any I've are. taken, <laughs> I, 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 I 100%. I caught myself doing it. But like any time I like I went on a, a date with a girl went really well, um, yeah. really well, like really vibed. Uh, yeah. Didn't kiss, yeah. but went really well. I thought. Uh, told my friend just like casually like I was like so yes, I was out with this girl and again my friend like that would be like a good dater yeah. like she'd go on a lot of dates yeah. and uh, she was like but you didn't kiss and I was like no yeah. and she like oh okay that's okay but it's it's kind of weird and I was like it? Is it? Okay. It's not. Okay. I, I didn't feel it was, but I, I listened. Uh then I felt weird. So we went on the second date. And you gobsmacked it.
1: Well, like <laughs> as in like nothing worse. Oh, that's reminding me of another bad day where I got gobsmacked at the end.
0: Well, okay, so so this this is kind of the thing. So it was at the end of the day and it like, we, we got on real well, but, like, again, it just didn't feel... Like, it wasn't, like, a natural point to kiss. We were yeah. saying goodbye. We were going to, like, hug goodbye yeah. and, like, part ways. It did, wasn't a natural way to kiss, but, like, I had her voice. And I was like, no, you have to kiss her, otherwise it's not a date. Like, it, it's something else. So I, I kind of, like, tried to... And, and the girls kind of, like, whoa, what, what are you doing? And I was like, uh... I started, like, my friend... Uh, uh, <laughs> t- no, t- t- are you joking? <laughs> not really. Uh, I, I was like, um... Oh just because I thought it was... <laughs> going well and then she said it was weird if we if we didn't kiss on, on a second date and she's like but does this not feel like weird to you and I was like no it feels so weird to me but I just I thought it was weirder if we didn't and she the was the
1: girl you're dating sounds cool I mean where it was I don't know yeah we it, didn't go on a third date
0: no, uh, and but I know she's really cool I see her like around the place and she's very nice but like when I think about that moment I do want to be swallowed up by the floor
1: yeah what, what, actually, what? I'm just like, let's move to the next question. These dating things are so cringe. It's like, yeah, you get a media, real visceral like, reaction. Oh man, I just yeah.
0: can't even cope. Yeah, no, it's tough. Um, Dating's tough. Dating is tough. That's the moral of the story. Okay. All right, here we go. Number 14.
1: Don't have that either.
0: Okay, number 14 question is How do you feel about the word millennial?
1: Oh, uh, it's bandied around a lot these days. Yeah. These days. Sound like an old woman. Mm. Um, my friend is like an kind of an emotional intelligence kind of counselor consultant man, and he goes into companies a lot and basically just tries to help companies to hold on to millennials because <laughs> they will quit. Yeah. In a way that just other generations never did because other generations were so grateful to just have a job and to be employed and to be under the thumb and to work for money. And millennials are like, hang on a second. I should be valued in my own right as an individual. I contribute to this company in a way that you can never even understand. If you look at me sideways like that, I'm going to walk out and find a better job. What an
0: interesting job your friend has.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. Yeah. Uh, He does loads of his work based on the Enneagram. Have you ever heard of the Enneagram personality test? What number are you? I am so into that. I think it's the best thing in the world. I'm a four, which is actually really embarrassing. It's like the individualist who, like, defines himself by being different from everyone else and their deepest fear is to, like... To be unremarkable, kind of. I
0: think I, th- I I can't. remember, I think that it could be exactly what
1: I, I was, feel like uh, you're for. I, um, I, I think I was. I I think was. Loads of actors, loads of kind of creative people are for is yeah. like you t- in in dark times you tend towards being depressed. That's exactly what yeah. I was. That I know when you
0: said before, oh yeah, because I was like that's disgusting, and then I was like that's what yeah, I am. Yeah, oh my. <laughs> it's so
1: when you're reading about yourself, you're like, and you can read, you can, you can. So for anyone who doesn't know, the Enneagram test is like um kind of it's when I say personality test, it sounds like such bullshit, but it's based. It goes back as far as. Greek times, like it's used by psychologists and it's used by writers and it's used by loads of different kind of sectors, and it's one to nine. Mm. Um, and ev- the idea is that everyone fits into a number, like you're either one two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, with wings of the other numbers. So I'm a four, which is an individualist with the wing of a three, mm. which is a perfectionist, which is someone who's like a high achiever or really academic, whose deepest fear is never achieving anything, being a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, so my friend who. This is how I got onto this. My friend, who's the kind of emotional intelligence guy, he does a lot of his work using the Enneagram. Okay. And yeah, he was saying it's really interesting working with millennials, um, because no, like financial incentives don't always work on them, and um, they need to feel like they, as a person, they, as an individual, are like really valued as mm. opposed to just their work. Which, like, is fair. Is fair. Yeah. Yeah. We're millennials, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um. And I had a chat with someone who's I think actually from the BBC writers room recently. And he was like, oh, my God, I did a workshop. He's a script editor. He's like, I did a a workshop with millennials recently. And like I said, okay, so the writer is king and the script editor is there to assist. You will never be as talented as the writer. And two of the script editing millennials just got up and left. And he was like, I think I think they're wrong, but maybe they're not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So it's like, how do you see, how do you, it depends kind of how you see the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I also think like it probably makes a difference if you can back it up with like work, work. Do, does that make sense? How do you mean? Like, I think it's all well and good to be like, well, like these are all the things that I like mm. bring to this company and then it's like, oh, well, do you? Like what, what's that? Yeah. What's well, that I like? think
1: it's partly because we didn't grow up in repressed Catholic Ireland the way our our parents did. Like, we weren't beaten by the Christian brothers. Well, I wasn't. No, You neither. <laughs> and I think that gives you, that gives you a spring in that maybe your parents didn't have when it comes across as arrogance.
0: Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you feel, even living in somewhere like London now, do you feel like you did grow up in some, okay, let's not like compare it with our parents, yeah. but did, do you still have that sense that it was a little bit repressed? Yeah,
1: well, I... L- So I lived in Dublin until I was eight and then we moved down the country to Clare. So Mm -hmm. my parents are both from Tipperary and that was crazy. Like there was only like 30 people in my whole school. There was only 10 people in my class. I was like the freak girl from Dublin. Um, My parents were evangelical Christians in Dublin and then they got re-baptized into the Catholic Church. So I made my baptism communion and my parents got married all in the same day and oh. then we were yeah so my parents were both from the catholic church and then they kind of ran away to this evangelical inverted commas cult no it wasn't a cult but um so then when we moved back to O'Gonlo, um in county clare they were like okay we want to, we want you to have like a spiritual life and we want you to kind of grow up with jesus in your lives but the best way to do that is probably via the catholic church okay. um and then ever since then it was like it was a catholic church and it was camogie and hurling and full-on Long countryside life so yeah that was i think there's elements of that that are definitely the hangover from kind of old school rural ireland was definitely very much there like my um uh, th- in third class oh god i hope she's not listening i'm pretty sure she's not my teacher like on one of my first days picked headlice out of my hair and was like this is disgusting like with her red pen and held me up in front of the whole class and oh, no. also on the first day she called another child stupid She's like, you stupid, stupid boy. And I just come from this like middle class Protestant primary school in Dublin. Yeah, And I was like, mom, she called a boy in my class stupid. And my mom went in and was like, oh my God, you never call a child stupid. Do you know how damaging that is? And yeah. the teacher was like, basically, it's my way of the highway, get out. So my mom got out and we just got on with it.
0: Whoa. So why did your parents move from Catholicism to like an evangelical faith?
1: I think they were like 20 or something and Mm. there was just um, like a company called Agape spreading the gospel around Ireland and they got into it and joined. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I guess it was like their way of being rebellious like back in the day. You know, loads of Bible study when I was growing up there was like home groups in my house and stuff. Yeah. They had a great time but now my dad's super spiritual in much more of like a monk-like way like he just went on a three-week silent retreat um in the rocky mountains um and my mom is i'd say a chilled out christian now so their faith has definitely evolved i'm giving away all their spiritual secrets on air. but yeah but i can wide. see
0: yeah that's funny i can uh have you ever
1: lived in america no oh uh, well i did a j1 for three months did you
0: right, like so when you came right, when you were there so i lived in chicago for a year okay uh came back to uh ireland were you doing year abroad or uh yeah yeah was it good uh brilliant yeah so good um like but so you're in this like h- hyper liberal art school yeah in chicago which is a crazy liberal place for the most part and yeah. uh and i i guess i w- growing up was very like shy and like quite heavy and just like uh not very outgoing probably right okay going to this environment where like you know, like for sure, seeing like uh trans people for the first time, mm. seeing um and I like I baptism like, of fire. Yeah, like I think I met my first Jew in America. You know what yeah. I mean? Just like a compl- like like working with like yeah. black people, Hispanic people, all this stuff. Um, seeing how ever, comfortable everyone was in themselves yeah. really came out of myself, like big time. Oh, so good, so good come back to Ireland and just, like, I felt, like, this weight on my shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, Ireland's fucking great. Like, I love Ireland. Uh, I was living at home in Meath then, so, like, a little bit more rural for sure. Even uh, Meath. Yeah. And um, just remember being, like, just, like, feeling, like, the Mm. weight of that. I was like, oh, fuck, the Catholic repression. Is that what I'm feeling now? I think it is. Yeah. I think it
1: was. Yeah, I think... I sort of feel like a bit similar about London. Like, I think going, moving to London, like I went I went to Edinburgh University, but even that was super white and kind of middle class. And then when I moved to London, I was like, whoa, this is a really different place. Like, yeah. just so many cultures living alongside each other. Like, just, it's amazing. It changes your whole perception of the world. And then you come back here and you're like, oh, like even this morning, I was hanging out with a big bunch of people. um, And just, I heard kind of just off the cuff two really racist things from two separate people. And you're just like, it just kind of jars with you, you know. Mm. Like they were just said in kind of hilarious passing comments, but you're you realise how tuned in you are. You kind of you realise that's just not really cool or okay. And I think that just comes from having being a very white society. People don't mean it. Yeah. It sounds like I'm um, apologising for racism now, but no, no, <laughs> you know I, I tell I mean? you know what like you, you mean. You yeah,
0: yeah. There's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. How did we get onto that? I mean, I think it was about millennials. Yeah, it was. <laughs> All right, let's go again. <laughs> Uh, okay, number 45. Don't have that either. All right, okay, number 45. Uh, well, uh, if you
1: weren't Irish, what nationality would you wish to be? Oh, would I wish to be? That's hard. I don't think anyone who's Irish would want to be anything else except Irish. I wouldn't want to be English. I'd be Scottish. Yeah. Scottish people are class.
0: Okay, that's
1: interesting to me after the conversation we just had there. I thought you were going to say, like... I don't know what I thought you were going to say. Um... People always think I'm Spanish, but there's a difference of what you want to be or what. I would People say like ask me in Spanish for directions like a lot. <laughs> really? So funny.
0: Whoa, I would say Mexican.
1: Mexican. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I do. Um, what's a cool nation to be from? Um, I love Germany. It would be weird to want to be German, I suppose. <laughs> but like, I lived in <laughs> Germany for a year, and I think they're really class, like Germans. Yeah, I've I've like no experience. They Germans. just. They just know how to party. Really? Oh, my God. So, you, yeah, I so lived you know. in Berlin for a year on my Erasmus, mm. same as you, year abroad. Um, and, like, we basically just had to scrape past in university, and um, we just, like, partied around the clock. Like, we hardly even took any drugs. Like, we just, like, they have day parties. So we went back, Um, three of us who were over, went back two weekends ago. And um, we were in Berlin and we were just sitting out in the sun having a few beers and Hildy, my friend, was like, okay, let's just do one thing this weekend that makes us feel like we've done something. Sure. Sure. So we were like, oh, what's good? Like, we haven't been here in like two years. We don't know. Everything moves in Berlin. Like, you know, parties move to different warehouses and things shut down and things reopen. We mm. were like messaging our German friend being like, what's cool, where should we go? And she was like, oh, go to whatever. It is. It's a place called Susifus, And she was like, go here for a day party. So we went um, at like three o'clock in the afternoon and we came home like 24 hours later and got on a plane. <laughs> like the parties just run the entire weekend. Jesus. And like you're sitting out in the sun, you're having beers, and you go in. It's like serious techno in like seven different rooms. Wow. I love it so much. And no one ever gropes you. No one ever feels you up. Everyone dances facing to the front. People are so polite. In the middle, there was this huge like um, cabaret act. The most amazing circus cabaret, and like it's, like the. Oh, hundreds of people from this, like, techno room just moved into the next room and watched this incredible, like, properly grungy circus. Like, not polished circus. Like, literally, they looked like the traveling circus. Like, the freaks who'd run away from their family putting on this incredible show. And then just back to raving. So, yeah, maybe I'd be German.
0: Sounds like an unrealistic episode of Skins.
1: Yeah, kind of like that, but it's a real thing. And I just... Oh my God! They take so they put stickers on your phone. You go in, so you can't take any pictures, and they just kick you out immediately if they see you taking a photo. That's great. Yeah, and oh my God, ha- am I allowed to say things on the how? How censored do I need to be on this? Don't oh, say stuff at all. So they just like they kind of allow drugs to be sold in the bathrooms. Right. That's kind of. I'm pretty sure they know who's selling them, and it's all fine. It's yeah. all like above board. Whoa. Well, you know, and like every now and again, a politician is like, "We should crack down on drugs in Berlin," and everyone's like, "Are you joking?" Like we have to protect our culture, we have to protect our nightlife. Fuck off and die. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they protect that. Like when you, so when you're going, you pay. F- so we paid, I think, fifteen euro to go into that day party. You're searched by three people. Your phone is stickered, then your phone is checked. Um, they only mostly speak German to you in the queue. If you speak in English, they'll be like, "No thanks." Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's quite. It's it's a bit. Um, but you're okay. Selective
0: because you were Spanish looking.
1: I can speak German. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, sometimes. Getting rejected can be a bit of a balls. Totally. But it kind of, it, it it's what makes partying so good. Um, it,
0: my perception of Berlin mm. was, um, quite frankly, shit on. Uh, you will understand my use of words yeah. in a moment. Uh, a friend of a friend went there. Uh, pretty like, am uh, I right in saying I've never been, like, kind of right. like a sexually liberated part of the world? Oh, yeah. So he's a meets a uh, lady mm. at a club whatever uh, goes back to her apartment mm. uh, she's like I really like to do this thing to guys uh, it'll feel great um, I promise it'll feel so good but I uh, hope I'm getting this right I think I am <laughs> uh, I try not to think about it too I'm often I'm so scared about what you're going to say oh you should be it's the correct response Um am like, I really like to do this thing to guys and he's like okay and um, like, so they're, they're um
1: she's like, please can and he's like, Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like this is like a
0: white pasty Irish guy as well. Oh stop. Bear that in mind. Like I uh, probably had tato on the flight over, do you know? Like, um so she gets a towel and she as uh, like inserts the towel into his arse, basically. Right. Uh and they're they're having sex. I'm I'm d- hoping I'm not fucking up the details. Okay. <laughs>
1: Will your friend uh, be listening? Uh, mm, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I well, not. you can bury this episode. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This never comes out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the
0: towel is is up there. They're having sex, and and she like just make sure you let me know when you're about to come. And he's like, this is ridiculous. This is filthy. Anyway, we're here now. Yeah. Uh, and and she he's like, okay, okay. And so the moment comes, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm about to come. Yeah. And she she yanks the towel. He comes while simultaneously just shitting all over her and the bed by the way which is meant to happen that was her intention the whole time and so he's like freaking out like like oh my god Just two weird things happened one time and um and he was like i'm so sorry. I'm, yeah. so sorry I'm so sorry i'm so sorry no this is what was meant to happen i love this so he's like oh what uh uh and she's like what did it not feel great and he was like Oh, I guess I kind of did it, <laughs> like, and so she's just like, yeah, it's cool. So if you want to just go in and shower, and uh, I'll clean it all up, and um, just went about the rest of their lives.
1: Oh my god, that's too much. That's what she that's wanted. Too much.
0: So um, beware. Maybe we're Germans. only horrified
1: by that story because we're Irish.
0: Yeah, maybe so. Maybe a German's like, huh, for starters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should see what we did with the shit. <laughs> like, this episode should never air. This is... I am so sorry to everyone listening. Oh, my God. And to me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you brought us there. You, did I? You brought did us. I? You brought us to mainland Europe.
1: Okay, okay, right. <laughs>
0: Come on. You knew what you were doing. Um, no, I th- I think I'll the, take
1: the blame. The then.
0: only thing left to do is to... Uh, <laughs>
1: Go <laughs> back to playing. Some yeah, I can't believe I was worried about saying, I don't even know, like the F word on air, and then <laughs> yeah. you come out with that story. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, number 22. Don't have that. Okay, number 22. I don't You're think d- I'm going to win the game uh, at this yeah. rate. I think we should just, <laughs> we're having a good chat. We are. So, uh, chat. All right, okay, uh,
0: number 22. Where's the strangest place you've ever woken up?
1: Oh. I don't know. Where is the strangest? Oh, God. Okay. Once we were in Edinburgh, so we do the fringe every year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like my seventh year doing Edinburgh, and my birthday is always on. So I've like, I started when I was 19, and now I'm 26. Right. And every year, I'm like, oh my god, I'm getting so old! Yeah, like my, my life feels like Groundhog Day <laughs> next year. I shouldn't go to the fringe, I should do something else, but then I just go to the fringe, yeah. yeah <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, we were all staying in a house, um, like. Like 13 of us in one room. Like halfway through our accommodation fell through. So we like moved into my friend's room. Like this massive troop of us. Like it was just it was crazy. It was like a refugee camp. It was literally like mattress to mattress. Like people were having like their boyfriends to stay. People's cousins, younger sisters were saying it was just mental. It was a good few years ago. But, like couldn't really live like that anymore. But this kind of this kind of weird artist guy was like to me and my friend Elspeth, um, oh, I've got a spare I've got a spare room in my house. If you wanna come over, you can you guys can sleep in it. The room ended up being his room. And like we slept in the room with him, in the bed with him, with the radiator turned on full blast. And like we woke up in the morning and like it was so sweaty and it was so disgusting. And he was naked between us. And we were both just like, what the hell? Like, nothing happened. Yeah. Neither of us had sex with him. But like there wasn't really any even drink involved. Like it was just like he said that there'd be a spare bed and there wasn't a spare beds. So we're like okay, I guess we'll sleep in your bed. But then in the morning you're like, what the hell? This guy is obviously just playing pimp, you know? Yeah. And we just kind of went along with it. Whoa. It's kind of dark actually now that I think of it. Yeah. It's kind of those things you do when you're like 22, and then yeah. you're like, why did I do that?
0: Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, there's this thing I really like to do, and he takes out a towel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, okay. And, and no, you, I feel yeah. How long did you stay there for?
1: Oh, we left immediately. Okay. I mean, it's not even that weird, but I just remember that feeling. Someone, like, you know, you know, that feeling of like, how did I get into this situation? Did
0: did did you go to bed when everyone had some form of clothes on?
1: Yeah, and, then woke, and then woke up and he had no clothes on.
0: Oh, that's I don't think that's cool.
1: No, it wasn't cool at all, actually. That's not cool. And he was older than us, and we may have been drinking, and he wasn't drinking. Um, also. Another funny thing that this guy did. This is turning into a fucking filthy podcast, but yeah. um, he was over in our house one night, and it was in our big refugee house, and um, <laughs> he he was like, "Who dropped this? I found this on the floor. Who does this belong to?" And he was holding like vagina cleaner, like or vagina solution, or I don't even know. <laughs> no, and he existed. was like, he was like, "Who cleans their vagina here? Like, who owns this?" And we were all just like what? And he was like, come on, own up, I found on the ground, it must belong to one of you. And we were like, we d- like no, it's not mine, Like, is it yours? And like, no. And everyone denied it. And then he left. And afterwards we were all just like, none of us own that. Like, definitely not. So we think he dropped it on the ground and was like, who owns this? Like, we still think he kind of planted it as some... Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was like a conversation starter or like a... Anyway, he's crazy. He's like a mad performance artist. So, you know, maybe yeah. that
0: explains it. Oh, what a weird that's weird.
1: Also like also
0: also <laughs> just like I I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> this is um <laughs> what the listeners should know is we we met like a half an hour yeah, ago. I'm <laughs> right. laughing so much.
1: Yeah. What um what, what,
0: what what's interesting? I don't know if you ever do this. Maybe this is the thing of the number 4, okay? There's, okay. There's sometimes I would in a weird way pride myself on being quite um i like emotionally uh, tuned in with people yeah. so i if someone drops their vagina cleaner in yeah. front of me i'm not going to lift up the vagina cleaner yeah. and go who owns the vagina yeah. cleaner
1: <laughs> i feel like that's not just a trait of a four. Maybe I maybe like that's a trait of a decent person yeah i, I was actually <laughs> thinking of a more yeah that that's, that's an excellent point
0: that's an excellent point but um i mean that so that takes a specific kind of person to want to do that even if even if it wasn't planted (laughs) I mean the the planted vagina cleaner yeah well well um, it's good to know that if he ever if you need to clean
1: your vagina there's such thing as vagina cleaner call Mr. (laughs) Performance Artist (laughs) right, there those things also are just such a fucking scam like your vagina is able to clean itself like those things are such a symptom of the patriarchy I think
0: oh interesting yeah I I didn't I yeah like a self cleaning canteen down there,
1: yeah. Nice, like it's full of the most amazing bacteria, and like the patriarchy and women's magazines want to be like clean your smelly vagina with our chemicals mm. and get thrush forever.
0: Is yeah thrush that will happen? Yeah, or whatever other diseases. Okay, Taz is our producer. Uh, just don't contact the vagina cleaning <laughs> agencies for sponsorship of this podcast. Uh, that's the way we've been going previously, but.
1: Is your producer listening to this right now? Well, I w- feel
0: embarrassed that anyone is listening
1: <laughs> to this. Yeah,
0: yeah, she is the least of your worries. <laughs> um, no, yeah, yeah, yeah she, she is for sure. She's great. Say hello to Taz. Hi, Taz. There you go. Okay, let's go again. Uh, all right, here we go. Number six. Do you have it?
1: Uh, yeah. Oh! Do I get something for getting six?
0: You get to scribble it out. Sense of satisfaction. Absolutely. Okay, number six. Um, If you couldn't pursue what you're pursuing now in terms of career, what would you be doing?
1: I think I'd be a failed dancer.
0: Oh, yeah? Mm. Why a failed one?
1: Well, because I always danced all the way up through my teenage years and I wanted to be a dancer.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think I probably could have scraped my way into some half decent school in the UK or not even that decent but I probably you know if I really wanted to I would have found a way to make it work. Yeah. And I just would have been kind of middle of the road. Like I love dancing like so much but I would I never you have to be so bendy and so hmm. I don't think I fully had the physique for it um or necessarily the head for choreography. So I would probably just be like working so so hard to be like a middle of the road probably unemployed dancer. Yeah. Interesting.
0: So it was always going to be something in the arts, you reckon?
1: Yeah, I can't really think of what else I would do. Mm-hmm. I might have studied psychology or something, but I kind of hate academia.
0: Okay. W- what did you do in college?
1: English literature and German.
0: Pretty academic?
1: Yeah, like I got on ground. Like, it's fine. Yeah. It's not impossible, but I just, I f- had such a strong sense of futility all the way through um, first year i was like why are we doing this this is so stupid Mm. like what is the point of this like we're all so young and so capable like shouldn't we all be learning to be carpenters or something i just kept on having that recurring thought really this is we could do so many productive things for the world and we're sitting in this library flicking through books not even reading them properly yeah like i didn't apply myself you know properly Mm -hmm. that's probably the problem then i just started making theater and i just did that
0: the whole way through and why what was the was there a reason that so if you entertain the idea of going to dance school potentially Mm. was there a reason that you didn't go down the drama school route or something
1: like that um yeah my my parents were kind of like go to university so i was like okay and i wanted to get away from dublin at that point so i went to edinburgh got into edinburgh kind of the reason that i went there was because only like lots of people from my school applied and only three people got in so i was like oh Maybe yeah. it's good. Yeah, I yeah, go there, yeah. and it was great. Wow. It was a brilliant decision to go because then I got to go to Germany on my year abroad, and like Scotland is really class place to live as well.
0: Yeah, great. So, yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, all right, we go again. Yeah, that was such a short one. I feel that like I short. didn't, didn't, didn't do you service, but this is how it normally No, it's is. good is. It. Okay, here we go. Number twenty seven. No. Okay, number twenty seven. Question is: Have you ever been in the fight?
1: Um once I was out drinking with my friend Dan and he was drinking Guinness and um, <laughs> I said I'll drink Guinness with you tonight so I think I was trying to match every Guinness he had I had or maybe I just got through two but I got really drunk really quickly and this girl came up to me and was like I saw you talking to my boyfriend and I was like what and she was like I can't remember but she pulled my hair oh, shit. Um. And that was the extent of the fight I'd been in. And did, did that in my head it's it felt very dramatic and now I'm telling you out loud it sounds so pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember the details properly, but I'm pretty sure she pulled my hair. Um My friend Ada is a teacher and she has a criminal record for beating up a bouncer. Or not beating up a bouncer, assaulting a bouncer. Um she's like when she gets angry she just totally sees red oh. she's doing very well at dealing with her anger now but um oh my god I feel so treacherous naming her on air um but she we went to Cornwall on a night out and we had a mad kind of someone got into a fight and then Ada started shouting in a bouncer and I kind of had to I got in I got involved in that fight because I was afraid that Ada would lose her job but that wasn't me specifically being in a fight that was me kind of intervening in a fight which doesn't really count does it well that's firefighting
0: but uh, yeah yeah okay fair but I know when you're like the feeling when you're around like any kind of physical confrontation it's like
1: oh fuck yeah it
0: is isn't it crazy that like before I was thinking this the other today with a friend like we we're like before like like a few hundred years ago not that long ago like you just didn't see that many people in the like if you are in the world you just like you know okay you live in London now you yeah. see like thousands of people every day mm. like before like people might see a few thousand people in their life. Yeah. You know what I mean like where we've definitely seen like millions of people in our lives. Do you think? I think so. Millions? I w- like if you live in London, yeah.
1: I suppose, yeah. Do you think well, maybe that's... hundreds of
0: thousands. Sure, okay. Um <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there's a way <laughs> to find it out.
1: I, yeah. I'm quite bad at quantifying things like that. Me too. Me too. Like I'm like I'm pretty sure there was 600 people there and they're like Eva there was 45. I'm like, like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was full. The room was full. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But um <laughs> but yeah, and when you used to see someone you were like Oh, fuck, they probably want me to be dead. Like They probably they probably want to eat
1: me. Oh, yeah, or you're talking like back in the Stone Age. Back or in the day.
0: Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I guess the moral of the story is that I think it makes sense that someone pulling your hair felt bigger than it was because before someone pulled their hair, the next thing they would do would probably cut your throat with a stone. Like fight or flight. Yes. <clears throat>
1: kind of adrenaline rush. Exactly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm not really a very aggressive person, though. It's funny how some people go straight to anger. Yeah. What, I don't really...
0: I. What's your thing that you go straight to?
1: I don't know. It's just, you know, that like some people really grapple with anger. I feel like I don't have anger. I have, I have sadness. Mm.
0: <laughs> That's so tragic. Yeah.
1: But you know that you're kind of... Yeah. I'm much more likely to feel sad than angry.
0: Yeah. That's probably better for everyone else, kind of worse for you.
1: Maybe, yeah. I think, I mean, anger can eat people up inside, can't they? That's one of the themes of the play. Yeah. That I'm doing at the moment. Maz and Bricks, Project Dice. Oh my God, I <laughs> Until told the you. the 13th to... of May. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, really good. I saw it. Also, how can I plug this podcast <laughs> to this? <laughs> like, hey, mom, tune in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is our, ta- yeah, yeah. our, our target audience, is moms, to be fair. We, we, is it actually? It's kind of everybody. No, it's not just mums. Some moms listen, for sure.
1: That's cool.
0: Um, yeah. Cool moms. Cool moms Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, your mum sounds kind of cool. Your mum was like this crazy hippie who went away and became an evangelical Christian. she loved love this
1: um, Yeah. <laughs> Last night on another podcast, uh, we were talking about um, the kind of guilt you have if you don't go to a demo. Or if you if you turn up late to a demo or like, you know, if you feel like a failed activist, basically. Yeah. And I was they were, you know, asking me about that. And I was like, oh, yeah, like I get that all the time. You know, like if you're out on a Friday night and there's a demo on a Saturday and you're getting totally wrecked on acid and you wake up at one and the demo started at 12 and then you arrive at three just in time for pints. <laughs> and I got a WhatsApp from my mom saying in capital letters, do you take acid? I was <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> I've done so well. <laughs> I've done so well. That is funny. Did you text her back? Uh, I just said I'm very sensible And she wrote back Acid is not good for you and Then they, I didn't continue the <laughs> conversation Do you think your mom's done acid? No
0: I have a different picture of your mum Yeah, my mum
1: wasn't ever a hippie Okay my I think mom your tra- mum is crazy She's crazy She could have been a hippie She is crazy But she grew up in Tipperary And then she trained to be a nurse Yeah Um, And then she was a kind of strong evangelical Christian for a while Uh huh And now now she's a very cool, talented, amazing uh, kind of, not seamstress, but she's like so creative. She just makes the most incredible like patchwork quilts and kind of anything with her hands. She's like exceptionally talented. Amazing. And she's also, she probably would be a better performer than me if she had decided to be an actor. But she's not a hippie uh you 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 think she'd be a better performer than you she's an incredible performer have you seen her perform she yeah she does the most amazing rendition of michael d higgins (laughs) um she has this hilarious poem about you remember the whole saga of um water being taken from like loch Derg and other lakes around ireland to be brought up to dublin because it was a shortage of water oh no Um, anyway that was a thing for a while like we're going to have to take water from down the country and there was like a big scandal and (laughs) anyway in, she does this poem in Michael D's voice. She dresses up as him and she sits on a stool with her legs dangling. And she has a little wig on and everything. <laughs> and she tells this poem about the water from the lake being um, extracted from the countryside and brought up to Dublin. And it's like the ishka is imiha, no more shall we swim iha. <laughs> That's like the only line I can remember. Um, but like it's like shockingly um, accurate.
0: That was amazing. I wish people got to see the visual of that.
1: Oh yeah, it wasn't even good. But if my mom was here, yeah, I'm you'd just be wishing you could see that. I just really enjoyed it. Well, okay, so it
0: sounds like your mom was um, okay. She went through like really like spiritual, like kind of exploratory phase. Yeah. Now she's in her creative phase. Yeah, the next phase, acid. <laughs> <laughs>
1: imagine,
0: imagine <laughs> the shit she could design on acid. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, I think like it's crazy. Uh, how acid opens your mind like you know they say that like once it kind of opens those pockets of your brain they never close again
0: yeah isn't it isn't it a thing that it stays in your system for seven years or something like that it can be detected maybe
1: yeah i mean you hear horrible scare stories of people going on trips and never coming back (laughs) did
0: you have a good experience
1: um oh sure i might as well go for it now um yeah i've had a few really good experiences but the last so there's a there's a party in london Mm-hmm called Beauty and the Beat and they give out LSD laced apricots so you just go and take an apricot and have a schmad night and it's class it's amazing the music is so great it's like properly like psychedelic music like an amazing community of the most interesting and kind of supportive people they have like a little food table with like nuts and raisins and it's just like so full of love it's great but the last time I went I took a whole apricot too much okay I had like very very paranoid night really no crack at all yeah Okay. And I had an eating disorder years ago and I felt like my eating disorder was coming back. Really? So dark, yeah. Mm. I was like looking at everyone's waist. I was like, I don't know what the right sized waist is. Like, I don't, like, how do you know how you're meant to look? Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, actually like... Which is something I used to really struggle with when I was going through it. I was like... I was like I don't know what the right size is anymore I like I would look at everyone and think they were too fat and I would look at myself and think I was too fat I would see like one person a day on the street who I'd be like them they have the perfect body mm. and everyone else to me was like disfigured and I was like how will I ever get a sense of what's normal or like trust my body to be normal and then I felt like all oh, these fears were coming back into my brain
0: yeah it's interesting that that like that the LSD or was that LSD right yeah. that it brought you back there I mean was there and like was that a time when you felt like that you were kind of like I, I don't know, is that something that... Like, is an eating disorder something that you get over?
1: Yeah, I so I'm a massive advocate for 100% recovery. Yes. Like, I'm I'm 100% recovered. Okay, and you don't amazing. have an eating disorder now, you would no. say. Okay, great. Exactly. Uh, I have, what I would say freedom from food and obsession and control and all those things that, like, totally dictate your life when you're sick. Yeah, and so... What and people who say, oh, it'll hang over you forever, it will, like, you know, shape how you see the world until you die. That's not true. Of course, that's true for some people but i really believe that you can get totally free of it and do you think could you see
0: in in the future could you see i don't know what it would be but something happened in your life and that that is something that creeps
1: back in um they say you can often get triggered when you get pregnant if oh, you get pregnant yeah, course, because like course. your body changes and your hormones go crazy and you're hungry and i don't know um and you know periods of like trauma or like extreme stress and stuff but like i really think I had so much counselling and so much therapy and it took me fucking years to get better. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I'm not going back.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I'm really interested in this because I would never say that I had an eating disorder, but I think I would... um, I would really, like... I could certainly say that I really like empathize with people that okay. would have body dysmorphia yeah. stuff.
1: So many people have yeah, it. So, so many, many people. So many. And I'm curious Okay. Like so we're, like society's fucked. We're fucked in the head like I'm so lucky that I got as sick as I did and got help. Yeah. Cuz I feel like other people just limp through life with a really weird attitude to food. Cuz I think that might be where I would be at, if yeah. I'm being honest. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to be honest. It's so hard to be honest. And especially it's really hard for guys, to be honest. Like, there's a fucking epidemic of eating disorders among guys. And we don't know how to talk about it. Like, in my support group when I was getting better, there was, like, a married man who was wasting away. And his family were like, what is happening? What are you doing? And it's just something that happens. And, like, acknowledging it is so difficult. Yeah.
0: Okay, So let me ask you, uh, great news! You have a a show on BBC coming out, yeah, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Congratulations! Thank you. Uh, Maybe we can talk about it a little bit at the end. Um, But all right, that's a really like definitive sign of success for a lot of people. I mean, and I'm sure for yourself, that's a really amazing. Yeah, it's a huge deal Uh, for us. Yeah, and like with that. Like, inevitably, there's going to be a degree, I'm sure, I, I don't know, but I'm sure there's going to be a degree of like, there's going to be people that will criticize it, like people criticize everything. Oh, yeah. Everything. So
1: the show's about eating disorders.
0: Uh, okay, yeah. it is about eating disorders. Yeah. Fascinating. So, is it, uh, like, I don't know what my question is. It's, I guess, I'm interested in like, even, even as simple as like watching yourself back on a screen, yeah. being vulnerable mm. about something that has lots to do with body image.
1: Yeah. So I. I'm in the series, so I'm co-writing the series with my kind of partner in crime, Hildegard Ryan, who's like my kind of dramaturg and script editor and co-writer and director of all my theatre work. Great. So we we're kind of very much partnership. So we're co-writing it, she's directing it, I'm gonna be in it. And there was vague talk of me being the girl, who, the main girl who has an eating disorder, but I decided not to. I'm going to be the eating disorder instead. And that's what I did in the play as well. I play the character of anorexia rather than the person suffering from anorexia. Interesting. Because I just don't think I could do it. I just would, whatever about in the play, I think doing it on screen, I would either feel pressure to lose weight, I would feel like I'm not thin enough, I would feel like people wouldn't perceive me as anorexic enough. Mm-hmm. And actually, we're not gonna ask the actor, who will hopefully be somebody high profile, but I can't name her name right now. Cool. Um, I, We're not gonna ask her to lose weight. We're gonna do all makeup and baggy clothes, and like it's important to us that the actor doesn't starve themselves. Interesting. But I still wouldn't be able to be that person because of like my baggage from the past, if that makes sense. Yeah. But also, because I had an eating disorder for so long, I'm like, I feel like I'm an authority on it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not worried about criticism really. Like I think we will handle it in a really tactful, truthful way. Yeah, Of course we'll receive criticism, but I'm not like, oh God, what if I misrepresent this? What if I like betray all people who have ever had an eating disorder? I'm like, I know from doing, like we had hundreds of emails. We had so many people come up to us after the show We people released from like anorexic clinics to come to the play, like their one night out their residential clinic they would come and see the play like Mm -hmm. people came who were like on death's door with their carers like we just I got an email from someone saying that she'd been bulimic for 20 years and that after her play after our play she contacted her mum for the first time to say thank you for trying to help her like it's almost too much. Like, yeah. it's, sometimes I'm like, okay, can't reply to that. Sorry, because I'm not a therapist. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I do, I feel like that's the amazing thing about doing it as a TV series because we're going to reach so many people. We're going to reach like thousands of people that we, it's hard to market a play about anorexia. People who come are, are like, my mind is blown. But when you're at the fringe, being like, hey guys, want to see some funny, witty anorexic theatre? Yeah. They're like, they're like, oh my God, the amount of people who are like, uh, well, obviously you're not the main girl because you're not the skinniest yourself or something. Like people said the most outrageous comments to me. Yeah. For your listeners, I'm like a normal sized person. I'm not like an elephant. Yeah, no, Like people said the most insensitive things. Like, oh, or I'd be like, oh yeah, I wrote the play. Like it's based on my own experience. And they're like, oh, well, you obviously got over your fear of eating chips since then, didn't you? Or like, they'd be like, why are you giving me that? to think I'm fat? Or just people are freaks. Sorry, oh, I'm on a, um, I am on a, do not know. Yeah. Shit. People are fucking crazy. Yeah, they are. They really
0: are. Oh, my God. I I actually don't have a response. I don't know what to say. That's mad. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry that happened. That's kind of crazy.
1: Oh, no, it's fine. So what I'm saying is I'm kind of, I guess I'm used to, I feel like I'm so, we've spent so much time on that play and now on the series, like, I, like, we, I feel we know what we're doing. Yeah. Okay, I, like, you're not going
0: to win. Like, we're abandoning okay, yeah, the ship yeah, but you're okay. going. Uh, <laughs> we're getting into it now, though. Okay, so then, I guess, to talk about Maz and Bricks, which is running, and we're going to put this out on Sunday, so you're going to have okay, great. Monday to Saturday, I guess, will be yeah. the, the last few shows. Um, And I I haven't seen it on Wednesday Uh, and got to catch a post-show discussion. First of all, great job. Really enjoyed it. Oh, great. Uh, you weren't bored by the post-show discussion, were you? Uh, no, I thought it was really interesting. I, I find
1: them really weird because, like, I, feel, I always feel really kind of proud to present my work like I am always like come and see my show my work is great like you know I think as an artist or a performer you have to believe in what you're doing but then your post show you're like. I don't feel people have to stay for that. Sometimes it, I feel it's better if they don't. Or You always feel a bit almost apologetic in a post-show because you're like, you sat through 80 minutes of my play and now I'm making you sit through 20 minutes more of chat. Yeah. You know, like I, I always have that bit. And also you have to be yourself instead of your character yes. when you're answering questions. So afterwards I'm always like, oh, why did you stay? You should have just gone for pints. But <laughs> I stayed. You stayed. Didn't go for pints. Okay. Um.
0: I, I guess what's interesting about, like, what you seem to be doing as an artist is that, like... Okay, so and Bricks is about lots of things, but, like, one of the main um, traits... Not traits, but, I mean, one of the main things that your character's gone through in life was an abortion. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the play is set, like... You're on the way to an, uh, a rally to basically repeal the Eighth Amendment. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, and then in the post-show discussion, uh, that was something that, like was addressed and is yourself uh, and Roisin Ingle and like yeah. very openly uh, and as said, if any of this is like weird for you oh, we no, can please. take it out but I mean impossible yeah okay yeah which is great you're yeah. such an it's, it's gorgeous <laughs> but like um yeah so that's one of the things that, that you have had an abortion yeah uh, and you've had an eating disorder yeah and you've made plays <laughs> about abortions and eating disorders yeah. which by the way I think is great because as in and that, that is what's gorgeous about Maz and Bricks it's not a play about abortion it's not a play about suicide no it's a be- play about people who have had those issues in their lives which was exactly and uh, that may as well have been a quote from the post show discussion you know what I mean
1: yeah and that's what kind of people kind of came to the consensus as well I think in the post show they were like you know one older woman just phrased it so nicely it was she, was, she was like 60 and she was older maybe, and she was like, I don't see it as a play about abortion or about suicide. It's just about two kind of broken people whose lives collide and they kind of find a place of healing. And I was like, oh my God, put that on the poster. Yeah. It was so articulate. And it's like the whole... Nobody wants to see an issue in inverted commas play. You know, they want to... They want to see, like, real characters on stage, like, change each other. Yeah. So hopefully and Bricks does that.
0: Yeah, 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 no, for sure. I think it does. And, like, when you're, when you're making... Like, yeah. What was really, what was really nice to hear you say there was that you don't like because you've gone through it. You feel like an authority on it, mm. which I think is fair. Yeah. Um. How? Like, how, have you ever? Like, do you ever? Is there ever a self consciousness on your part about? I'm, i sometimes I struggle to phrase things. Go on. I'm trying to phrase it right. Is there ever a self consciousness on your part? Like, par- why
1: am I putting my experience on stage?
0: yes and what like as an artist do i have a choice but could like if you wanted to i don't know like so okay maybe this is what i'm trying to ask yeah. are you always in your place
1: Okay, I think I'm disentangling myself from my characters now. Like I think when I was younger, I was much more unhappy. And I feel like I made work to survive. I know it sounds so dark, but like, you know, I wrote because I was really unhappy and I I couldn't really cope any other way. Uh And I don't feel like that at all anymore. Like, I'm totally chilled out now. Uh As in, I'm in a really good place in my life. (laughs) Um, So yeah and then you write more and you become better at writing and like now I'm a writer like I mostly write full time kind of thing like i have like a literary agent and I make most of my money from writing Mm -hmm. which isn't much at all but um so yeah, then you learn, you learn to, whatever, hone your fucking craft. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it becomes less about like pouring your soul onto the page and like a bit more of a job. Like, mm-hmm. and actually Maz and Bricks was a total passion project for me. And I wrote it like f- from my absolute deep soul, as opposed to being like, I should churn out this episode for a soap now or yeah. whatever. But I do think that like, I am not Maz and Maz is not me, but elements of me are in her. Of course. Um, And in my play, My Name is Saoirse, that was about abortion. That was a one-woman show as well. That was set in the 80s and it was about like a cutesy kind of countryside school girl. Mm -hmm. Again, not really me. And her experience of traveling for an abortion was very different from my experience. So, and yeah, and it's the same in the play about eating disorders. It's It's like a family with a single mom. Like, I drew on my own experiences with my mom for how writing that mother daughter dynamic which is really stressful during an eating disorder, obviously. There's all those, you know, is the mother to blame? Like what food practices have they passed on or whatever. I think mums are often quite unfairly blamed for eating disorders. Um but again it wasn't my mum's not a single mum, it was not an autobiographical thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think I have basically had no sh- shame since I was like 19 and put on my first play and being like, this is me. This is the shameless stuff I write. Like sometimes my friends are like, oh my God, you're so brazen. Like you're so, you're so not embarrassed to just put yourself out there. And I think it's just, that came, I think, from starting when I was kind of young and ignorant mm-hmm. and just have kept going, yeah, making work. Like I think now I'm maybe more self-conscious than I ever have been. Or, you know, I'm like, oh, shit, the Irish Times are coming in. Or, oh, I'm working with fish amble. I hope they think I'm good or whatever. Yeah. You yeah. know, you in some ways, the more you do and the better you get, the more self-conscious you become or the more aware of, like, the industry that you're in or who knows who you are, who doesn't or whatever. But I think the reason I've gotten to here is just being, like, being young and being outrageous and just kind of. Continuing from there. Yeah. Does I that make sense? No, it
0: makes total sense. And where do you think that like okay your friends use word brazen brazen? Yeah. Where do you think that whatever way you would like to describe that, where, but where did that like I'm happy to be vulnerable and show myself yeah. and say like is that just something that is innately you or do you have to work
1: on that? No, I think it's just something I've always done. That's yeah, that's great. Like Hildegard, my my the girl I work with all the time. Like she slags me so much. She's like, Oh my god, you're such a fucking, you know, media whore, you know, if I post up a you know, a thing on Facebook. Like in some ways Facebook is just a way for me to probe my work now. It's mm-hmm. in some ways I've kind of accepted its branding now. Okay. That's a bit cheap, but like Are you talking about your friend's profile, your normal Facebook my profile? My normal Facebook profile. Right. Mostly what I would be posting is something to do with my work, my next show's coming up come to this, yeah. be aware of that, whatever sure. it is. So it's almost gotten easier in that way because I've always been kind of marketing myself in yeah. some way and now I'm like, okay, I have to do it for my career. But Hildy slags me for it so much, but I've just never been particularly embarrassed. Like, Hager's gonna hate. Like, I'm sure some people think I'm absolutely obnoxious and unbearable, but who gives a shit?
0: Yeah, though for sure. I, I was gonna. <laughs> I was going I was gonna say. I think you're obnoxious. You're like. And, I think you're obnoxious. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs>
1: I totally don't. And, no. Do,
0: do you know? What? <laughs> I. I don't. I don't, do. I don't <laughs> no. Do. Uh, no. But I. I think. I think that. Um. Yeah. I think I really.
1: It's I, a weird thing to say to. out loud, actually. Yeah. This is an unusual conversation to have in some ways because it's so intrinsic to do. Because I have never just been an actor, I've always been making my own work, producing my own work, like hustling so hard. Like, it's even weird for me to do this play because I'm not the producer. Yeah. So I don't even think I'm a good producer. I'm so bad at admin. But like, I've organized tours all over Ireland, all over England. I've toured to Australia. Like, I've been invited all over the place. So I'm so used to writing the show, putting the show on, performing the show, and then afterwards being in the bar, challenging that person, me going to that networking morning, whatever. And for this, I can actually just sit back and be a writer and performer. But, like, you're kind of hu- you're kind of hustling. You're selling yourself all the time in some ways. Yeah. And that is a bit shameless in some ways. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it uncomfortable for you to be in that more um, relaxed
1: position with this production? No, it's great. I'm loving it so much. Okay. It's great. Okay. But, like, I think something I realize as well is that if your work speaks for itself, it's fine. Yeah. Like, if you have something, if you have a reason to talk to someone on a networking morning... Then it's fine. Mm -hmm. The only time you feel like feel like a worthless piece of shit is when you've nothing. You're like, hey, notice me because I have nice hair. Yeah, yeah, (gasps) yeah. Like you know, if you're actually there because you believe in something, then it's not as cringe. No, okay, brilliant. So then,
0: um, so now for the first time, correct me if I'm wrong. Like BBC, that's like a huge institution. You've been making Edinburgh Fringe shows. You've been writing Mm. them. You've been in them, and you've been producing them. So obviously, by Like comparably you've got a lot of control here if you're writing this BBC series you're going to be in this BBC series is there a little bit of fear that I mean for the first time maybe like it is like one of the babies is going off you know what I mean
1: well I'm really happy because Hildegard my partner is directing it. So Great. if they had signed it over to another director, I think I'd be freaking out. Okay. But we have kind of we do have creative control. Like even we we're doing like mood boards last week deciding like what her bedroom will look like, what the color tones of the whole thing will be, like um what she'll wear, um the main character, and you know wh- what music she listens to and that's all coming for us. So we're very go- much going to build her world. And like it's nice cuz they're 10-minute episodes, so they really are like bite-sized chunks. Yeah. So the idea is that it will go hopefully go down well and like be our calling card and then we can like Like just make kind of bigger, more ambitious things.
0: Yeah, totally. That's great.
1: But yeah, I mean I'm sure I'll be I think I literally just I'm like a blinkered horse as well. Like I'm doing Maz and Bricks at the moment. I literally I never think ahead ever. Okay. Anything. Okay. I think it's almost like a bury my head in the sand type tactic. So I'm like we're I'm going to lead straight after this to shoot the series. So I'm sure when I get there I'll be like, Holy God. Yeah. But right now I'm like, woo.
0: Okay, so then um, if it w- so you're saying that you're very much like yeah you're focused on what you're doing right yeah. now so but you've like pretty prolifically by the sound of things been making work for the last 7 years mm. like a show a year yeah, like shows or take Or more. <laughs> more okay so like shows take a long time so like yeah. are, are you like so right now okay maybe this is a, a bad example yeah. because you've got the BBC series yeah. going on at the same time but like are, are, are you thinking about what's next? Do you have idea for what you want to do next? Are you writing at the moment?
1: Um, so me and Hildy have a new play called The Friday Night Effect, cool. which will be in the Edinburgh Fringe and the Dublin Fringe. Oh, wow. And that will hopefully be eventually a TV thing as well. And ah. that's... Um, three girls on a night out in Dublin and we say, this is Jamie, Sive and Colette. We introduce them to the audience in the first five minutes. Cool. And we say, by the end of the, tonight, Colette will be dead. Can you save her? And at five different points in the action, the, it's paused and we ask the audience to make moral decisions. Amazing. Um. So yeah, that's our next thing.
0: Great. That sounds fucking cool. Yeah, it's really...
1: I'm so excited as well to be like trying to be marketing a play that isn't about anorexia.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Is is would this Friday night effect be the, the most um non autobiographical or whatever? Yeah,
1: kind of. Like the three girls are they're all in their twenties and they kind of all have dark secrets. Like one girl is sleeping with her mum's fiance, another girl is putting herself to her uni um via sex work. True. Um, And another one has an abusive boyfriend who she hasn't kind of told anyone about her Mm -hmm. really dark relationship. Um, So they're very much characters that we kind of know, like, or feel we can write, but it also has this kind of gimmicky sort of, not gimmicky, but, like, interesting format that kind of draws people in. Oh, yeah. Um, And, yeah, I would say it is my least autobiographical show.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So is there an element of, um, just with this show, I'm going to, like, do the fucking try reveal the magic trick now, but is there an element of, like, is it there's only like certain things that you reckon the audience can do and you preempt them or is there an em- element of improvisation that's going to have to come along with that? Like-
1: it's two different scripts for every option. Oh, so wow. we learned 10 scripts basically. That's 10 f- avenues of the script. That is, So we worked out, there's like 46 different ways the show can go or something. That is great. Yeah, it's cool. Maybe you can come back on in September. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. So yeah, yeah. we'll be. We were still waiting on our dates for the Dublin Fringe, but it'll be one of the weeks in September. We'll be back here doing it. So I'm really excited.
0: No, that's great. Do you want to do one more roll for the yeah. for the road? Okay, cool. All right. Okay, number fifty four. Do you have it? No. Okay, it would have been weird if you did. Yeah. Uh, okay, number um fifty four. Oh, this is kind of like nicely appropriate. Okay. Uh, what are you? I don't believe you when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> if I gave you a towel, what orifice of your body would? Uh, what What are your dreams for the next
1: five years? It was nice. It was a nice way to end. Um, I like these questions because I think it's so important to have goals. I think, like, yeah. I re I kind of believe in that. Like, visualize and fucking make it happen. Yeah. Um, I want to make. I want to keep making theater. I want to have a play on in the Abbey at some point because I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, I want to continue making tv hopefully with hildegard Mm -hmm. and i want me and her to have a flat in london
0: oh nice are you best friends
1: yeah how do you know her Uh, we met in berlin on erasmus oh wow is she it's so funny my agent recently signed her my literary agent like and it had been like a lot of toing and froing and like i was always like hildegard this hildegard that and now we're doing the series together my agent signed her and everything and she was like hildy so hildy where do you live and hildy gave her address and she was like hildegard you gave me eva's address she's like no we live together and i think my writing agent was like are you do you, like live live together and we're like no <laughs> but we basically are married like, yeah, yeah yeah And which is actually kind of can be hard sometimes like it's it's like you know you have to really like look after your friendship and your working relationship and everything but it's amazing that yeah we can you, be doing things together yeah of course Do you kill each other no not really sometimes but yeah. sometimes if we're under pressure it can be hard but um i think like all of, everything is easier when you have someone to bounce things off that's amazing that's like And really I think stressful. I think I think artists spend a long time trying to find someone who gets them yeah. or to have a partner that they're really on the same level yeah. with. So I think I'm really lucky to have her. Yeah, that's amazing. Um cool. I sound like I'm obsessed with you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah but it does yeah really, i that's love you. <laughs> um
0: so okay so uh yeah that's it uh, first of all thank you so much for doing it and um, do you yeah, want to just welcome. talk a little bit about, about like any social media any uh, maybe give the dates for Maz and yeah. bricks because it, it is really great so
1: Maz and bricks is the play that's on at the moment um in the project arts center produced by fishamble it's written by myself it stars me and stephen jones who's a brilliant actor yeah. who i think you've had on the show he's, he's gonna
0: be on uh, in a couple of weeks okay great yeah
1: and um yeah, we run in the Project Art Centre until the 13th of May, so we'd love to have everyone in to see us. And then we go to Limerick, to the bell table um, on O'Connell Street from the 17th to the 20th of May. Amazing. Any social media? Uh, Project Art Centre?
0: Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Sorry, I thought you wanted to give a personal
1: one. Oh, um, my personal uh, one? I'm not trying to give follow it Follow me on Twitter. Yeah,
0: um, sorry. It looks like I was trying to get it out there. I don't give a fuck. Whatever yeah, yeah. you want to <laughs> do. Like.
1: <laughs> um, no, follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm... Eva underscore O'Connor, I think. And um, Sunday's Child is my company. Cool. So follow us on Twitter as well. Great. Um, And yeah, everything's on there.
0: Amazing. I'd like to shake hands on mic because I feel like you can hear it.
1: Oh, okay. Let's do it. They can hear the energy of that. Could they hear that? We just did it. Oh, for okay. sure. Okay. Do you always do that? I never normally tell people that. Oh, right. I normally <laughs> just do it. But I felt a bit self-conscious <laughs> to do it because
0: you don't know each other that well, and I was like, "This is a weird thing to do." It's
1: like a weird version of when you went in to kiss that girl, and she was like, "What the <laughs> hell are you doing?" <laughs> just <laughs> so uh, inappropriate.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, um. Okay. Cool. Uh, Eva, thank you so much for playing Personality Bingo with Tom Mourin. You're welcome. Uh, Thanks cool. for having me. <gasps> So, guys, that was Eva O'Connor playing personality bingo with Tom Warren. First of all, a massive thank you to Eva for taking the time to do it. Uh, it, was, it was really fun and uh, one that I particularly, particularly enjoyed. Also, hello to Eva's mum if she's listening because I feel like she was talked about enough in the podcast that she warrants uh, a shout-out. So, hello to you and let us know how your future drug experiences are at personal bingo. <laughs> so, guys, uh, a few thank yous. Um, thank you to the Headstuff Podcast Network for having us. Uh, as always, you can check us out at headstuff.org. Um, Also to Leah and Anthony um, From More Than Machines Music For the the brilliant theme music That is sung to me quite surprisingly often By um, some people who are uh, fans of the show uh, In my life And it's completely mortifying And I would really ask them to stop doing it Uh, Also a huge thank you to Conor Nolan For his brilliant artwork Uh, A massive thank you to Taz Kelleher The boss man for um, producing, editing And mixing the podcast Also some really exciting news Taz is, um, can I say this? (laughs) <laughs> I have to check Taz is going to be releasing The Moments podcast uh, On the Head Stuff Network Which is uh, really exciting There's going to be a teaser Out next week Taz is also going to be The next guest On Personality Bingo um, Which is really Really exciting A little peek Behind the curtain For the listeners uh, And yeah So uh, I would really recommend You checking that out Because it's, it's a really Great podcast uh, So Personality Bingo Is available on iTunes Spotify uh, Stitcher Wherever you get Your podcasts and um, just a few thank yous um, to some lovely, lovely people who got in touch. A huge thank you to Carol Lee uh, for getting in touch, to Thomas Heaney who was so kind to the show, to Nads for getting in touch on Twitter, to Liz Alper, to Gina, to Stacy. Again, a huge thank you to Stacy for sending the bingo machine. Who's just so, so, so kind. Uh, also, a huge thank you to Romana to uh, anyone who who did get in touch over the last few days. Uh, it really does uh, mean the world. And um, keep them coming because it, it really makes the whole thing. Uh, worthwhile. Uh, as I said, a huge thank you to Eva for taking the time to do the podcast. Do check out Maz and Bricks in the Project Arts Centre with Eva and Stephen and the Fishamble Theatre Company. Uh, and we will see you next week when Taz Callagher plays Personality Bingo with Tom Morin. Tom Morris, Personality Bingo Tom Morris,
1: Personality